Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Good morning, everybody. My name is Tim. I'm the lead pastor here at the Vineyard. If this is your first time with us, welcome. Thank you so much for coming out today. Uh, it is my joy and uh, to have some dear friends from the Vineyard with us this morning. And uh, Mike, my brother from, let's say, formerly the Bronx, now Brooklyn, right? And my sister, Shar, Jersey girl. And uh, see, that's the kingdom of God, southern born bred boy. And I've got my Brooklyn Bronx brother here in the kingdom together. We love Jesus together. Mike, I'll let him tell you a little bit about himself when he comes, but he has a wonderful book, and you've heard me mention this book for the last couple of weeks. Uh, this book is right outside. Mike and Char may be out there right after the service to speak to you, too. I'd highly recommend this book. We've been learning what it means to be available to the Holy Spirit and to move in naturally supernatural ways, and I'm very happy to have uh, Mike and Char with us today. And uh, Mike, if you would come, brother. And... Uh, Well, it's great to be back. We were here uh, about two years ago. Met you guys for the first time. We've known the Holtz for a long time in the vineyard. My wife and I pastored uh, in New York City in both Manhattan and in Brooklyn for 38 years. And just recently, over the last few years, maybe going on five years, we've trans... Um, we transitioned from pastoring a local church uh, to um, taking care of pastors. Uh, we, we, we spend all our time um, helping pastors and young leaders, uh, giving away what God has given us over the many, many, many years, decades of ministry. So that's why we're out here today, uh, this weekend. It was just to share with you what God has given us. And I know you've been taking a, a closer look at the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives, trying to make sense out of it so that it becomes practical and useful in your everyday lives, right? And you know how the Holy Spirit could be very mysterious. He's got a mind of his own, you know, and he just does things not the way we normally things. So I want to share this morning with you a perspective on being a Christian that might be different than you've thought about. And I hope that it will be helpful. We'll see. Now, can you be too religious for your own good? Yes, go like this. <laughs> we all know people uh, who seem to be so religious that they're impossible to be around. You know, they're devoted, obedient, sincere, um, and absolutely unbearable. <laughs> <laughs> 
But following Christ is not about that. It's about something more robust, more joyful, and life-giving. And it's that something more that, is, that I want to talk about. Uh, born and raised in New York City. You can tell by the way I talk. I talk with my hands, first off. You tie my hands behind my back, nothing comes out of my mouth. That's the Italian in me. But I was raised Roman Catholic, and later in life, uh, met Christ in a drug program of all places in Brooklyn called Teen Challenge. You ever heard of Teen David Wilkerson crossing a switchblade? That's where I met Jesus. And Teen Challenge, as many of you know, is a Pentecostal ministry. So I couldn't have had two more diverse spiritual influences in my life. See? So years later, as a young pastor, I found myself in the middle of an identity crisis. As an ex-Catholic turned Pentecostal, I felt like a young David in Saul's armor. It, it, it didn't fit. You see, I love the people in Teen Challenge and in the Assemblies of God and all that. You know, that was some important things were deposited in my life. You know, and I love the people I worked with there. And I, I, you know, I spoke in tongues. But Pentecostalism didn't fit me. It was, it was too heavy and bulky for me. Um, I wasn't good at that, you know, strict piety. And I didn't like some of the flash and uh, hype and the heavy handedness expected of me as a leader. See? I wasn't like that. I needed something more earthier. Um, uh, yeah, an earthier spirituality, if you will. Okay? Um, something a bit more simple, uh, honest, coherent, you know, a bit more easygoing that fit me. Okay? See, I was uncomfortable. I was like a, 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 this square peg in this round religious hole. And I found it, after a while, draining me, not giving me life. Maybe you've had a similar experience. Although I had a theology and a language for the things of the Spirit, the Pentecostal packaging if you will, turn me off. And so what I did in response to that is what a lot of people have done. I threw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, and I became, believe it or not, sadly, a closet cynic when it came to the things of the Spirit. 
skeptical. Not a New Yorker, right? Skeptical? <laughs> yeah, I, I grew wary, and, uh, and I held things like prophecy and healing um, at arm's distance. I was well aware of the things I had been taught by my spiritual leaders. The question for me became, what beliefs and practices would I personally own? And so I looked around for a model of Christian spirituality that better fit me. But unfortunately, I couldn't find one. That is, until I met a man named John Wimber, the founder of our Vineyard Movement. And John modeled for me a, you know, a way of living the Christian life and doing ministry that removed the weirdness and the hype that was turning me off. Um, he made uh, the ministry of the Spirit sensible and helpful. He modeled uh, a, a, a spirituality that was powerful yet normal sensible at the very same time. He was a naturally supernatural person. Okay. He was the same person during ministry time that he was at dinner time. I like that. Okay. It freed me to uh, be myself. And that was huge. It opened up new possibilities. You know, for me as a, as a believer and as a leader. Uh, and it put life back in the ministry for me. Now, if you've been around the, the vineyard for any amount of time, you hear this term, naturally supernatural, all the time. It's a big deal for us. Okay. This naturally supernatural idea <clears throat> has unlocked spirit-empowered ministry for countless Christians who were at one time jittery around the spirit like I was. You know, the concept that you can be a relatively normal person and still be open to the Spirit has helped countless believers discover and operate in their spiritual gifts. Ordinary people. It's opened up ministry for multitudes of everyday believers simply because they've learned to follow the Spirit and do the things that Jesus did and still be themselves. 
However, I've come now after all these years of pursuing what it means to be a naturally supernatural person. I discovered that uh, naturally, being a naturally supernatural person is even more than all of that. It's enabled me to become, hold, your, hold on to your seat, more human. It's gotten quiet in here. Now, I, I know that sounds odd and maybe even shocking to some. But being separated from God has has made humanity incomplete see underdeveloped see you might say less human than god originally intended us to be the problem then isn't that we're not religious enough we're not nearly human enough the way God originally intended us to be. Now, although Jesus was divine, 100% grade A God, at the same time, he was fully human, like you and I. That's why Paul even uses the term, he called him in one of his epistles, uh, a second Adam. John, the apostle, wrote, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Jesus had a fully human body, fully human feelings, fully human mind, fully human will. He was like us in every respect, physically, heart, mind, will, except for sin. Again, the writer of Hebrews, this is what he's saying there. He says, since the children have flesh and blood, we... <clears throat> He too, talking of Christ, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. For this reason, he had to be made like them fully, 100%, grade A, human in every way. In order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service to God, that he might make atonement for sins of the people. Jesus was completely human, yet powerfully indwelt by the Spirit of God. He was the prototypical, naturally supernatural person everything he did everything 
his birth, his teaching, his miracles, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. Everything he did was by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now, as risen Lord, seated at the right hand of the Father, he's able to pour out that same life-giving spirit on all who belong to him, you and I. There was this uh, a theologian in the 4th century. His name was uh, Athanasius. Anybody hear of that guy? A couple of hands. I didn't think he did, but, you know, I'm thankful for Athanasius because he was a real champion of the Holy Spirit at a time where um, they were trying, the church was trying to figure out what the Trinity was all about. And, uh, you know, and so he, he was a big advocate of the importance of the person of the Holy Spirit. Anyway, he had an interesting name for the Holy Spirit. He called the Holy Spirit the rehumanizing spirit. The rehumanizing spirit. <clears throat> the same spirit who gave life to Jesus and empowered his humanity unites us with his fully transformed, complete humanity. See? And as a result... The more I cooperate with the rehumanizing work, guess what the fancy theological term for that one is? Sanctification. You know, we think sanctification is that we become more like, like some, I don't know, ghosts or something. I mean, uh, angels or something. But it's really the rehumanizing work of the Spirit of making us like Jesus was human. See? And so, as a result, the more I cooperate with the rehumanizing work of the Spirit in me, the more naturally supernatural I become, like Jesus. As I've opened my life to the Holy Spirit, I'm not becoming less human and more religious. See? I'm becoming more complete human. The way God originally intended me to be. Okay? Fully human the way Jesus was fully human. And as this transformation gradually, gradually, over a lifetime, okay, continues, I take on and reflect more and more of the naturally supernatural image of Christ in the way I'm living, the person that I am. Paul, 2 Corinthians, says this, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us, listen to this, more and more like him as we are changed, transformed into his glorious image. 
That's Paul talking. That's gospel. Becoming naturally supernatural gives us a down-to-earth, honest, life-giving spirituality. A Christ-centered, spirit-controlled lifestyle that will give your ordinary, everyday, unspectacular life. You know, we got to still change diapers, do the dishes, get the laundry done, you know, fill the car with gas, get to work, raise the kids. All of that stuff that's most of our life, makes up most of our life, right? Well, it gives that our everyday life, everything about you, who you are, what you do, more significance. Your life makes a difference. You become a kingdom bringer wherever you are and in all that you do. See? Not just here on Sunday. Living your, your, your human life the way Jesus lived his human life. Naturally, supernatural. Partnering with God our Father to bring in the kingdom wherever we are. You see, making the world around you your home, your neighborhood, your workplace, the place you go to relax and play, all those places a better place. <laughs> so, do you want to live a more fully alive, completely human, naturally supernatural life that pleases and glorifies Christ? Raise your hand. Of course, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> and you can. See? But it's going to take well, here's the bad news. I held it to the last. Got you right where I want you. Now I'm going to lay it on you. It will take some effort on your part. Effort, Mike. We live by grace. Not by work. Hey, whoa. Effort is not opposed to grace. Earning is opposed to grace. There's a lot about effort in the New Testament. Applying yourself, obeying, making good decisions. You can choose to continue to exercise the dehumanizing habits of death that make you less human, habits that quench and grieve the Holy Spirit who is trying to make a home in you, habits like self-centeredness, self-indulgence, self-sufficiency, self-righteousness, self-conceit, or you can choose to cultivate 
new life-giving, spirit-welcoming and embracing habits that will make you more fully human than what God intends you to be. Habits like choosing to love, choosing to forgive, choosing to obey, choosing goodness, choosing to be generous, choosing to serve, choosing to pursue the well-being of others. And as you choose to cooperate in, in, in these very practical ways with the rehumanizing spirit in you, you'll become more and more completely and fully empowered person. More and more fully human. Complete. Mature. See? So ask yourself, Am I becoming a more fully, naturally, supernatural human being like Jesus? Or am I be just becoming more religious? Maybe a better question is, although you have the Holy Spirit living in you, does he have you? Is he in the driver's seat of your life? Or are you? Is he actually the leader of your life? Are you living a self-directed life? Or a spirit-controlled life? Because this is the only way this rehumanizing thing works, by the way. See? Only the Holy Spirit can transform us and make us fully human. See? And only the Holy Spirit can make you a naturally human, uh, natural human being. He has to be in charge. But he will not force you to yield yourself. Isn't that the most ironic thing? He won't force himself on us, you know, because he's not looking for robots. Okay? He, he's looking for cooperative friends who will trust him enough to let him lead and empower their lives. And that's up to you. That's up to each one of us on a daily basis. Right? Sometimes a moment-by-moment moment basis. You know, there's some mornings I'm good. By the afternoon, I'm not so good at it. Depends on the day. And so it's a choice. I have to cultivate these habits of obedience and listening and paying attention and all these things that make for an intimate relationship with another. And it's doable. Let me tell you, it is doable. The more you do it, the more you're going to like it. It's up to you.
What kind of life do you want to live? The ball's in your court. Now, Holy Spirit is here right now, and he's resting on us. He's hovering, speaking to many of us about the issue that I'm talking about. Who's controlling your life? And I know that a lot of fear is involved because we don't like the thought of being losing control. It's scary. It's actually un-American. We're supposed to always be in control. It's scary. And whenever you feel that tension in you, when you're being challenged to trust the Holy Spirit that's living in you, think about Jesus. Just think about Jesus, how trustworthy Jesus was. That's his spirit. The Holy Spirit is challenging many of you right now to live a more open life to the spirit who is in you. What are you going to do? I want you to just relax just for a few moments. We got a few moments. I'm doing well. I'm keeping track of that clock, man. For this moment. Because this could be a turning point for, for many of you. This could unlock that abundant life that Jesus talked about. Let him speak. Quiet yourself. Do your best right now just to take a deep breath, dial down, and listen. Come, Holy Spirit. Speak. Come and penetrate the layers of fear and insecurity that cause us to control, take a hold of our lives and go into survival mode, trying to find life on our own terms. Come, Holy Spirit, and show us how to, how we can manage to, to, to let go and let you be, be in charge. In general, I've come to realize that in any gathering like this, the Holy Spirit is usually doing three general things. Now, there's specifics involved in this. There are different stories going on and different details. But in general, he's used, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he does one of th or all three of these three things. He's usually saving and really deepening his love in people's lives. The other thing he does is he heals. He heals our wounds, our emotional wounds, you know, the thing, and our bodies. 
He's a healer. And so he comes and that's what he does. It just all happens in his presence. And the third thing he does is he calls. He calls us to a life of, of serving him in some way. Not necessarily in the church. It could be being a truck driver who drives his or her truck the way, the way Jesus would drive and be a truck driver if he were you. It means being a school teacher the way Jesus would be a school teacher if he were you. You get it? So he's doing all that and challenge you to maybe, maybe to some, something that maybe you say, no, 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 not me. I could never do that. You know, I couldn't be that person. Well, he does those things he, and he's doing it right now. If you feel challenged right now in one of those areas, he's deepening his love. He wants you to trust him with everything. But we don't trust if we don't love. Maybe you're being challenged in that area. Maybe you're being healed. Maybe you're here and you have a physical or maybe just a wound that you're carrying in your heart. And the Holy Spirit is touching that. He wants to heal you or he's calling you. Calling you to make your life count for him. Whatever that calling is. Businessman, grandmother, whatever that calling is right now in your life. I want you to stand. Don't be scared. I'm not going to, we're not going to do anything that's going to make you embarrassed, believe me. I just want to be able to pray for a general. Stand to your feet. And, and, and just forget that there's anybody else around you for a few moments. Well, I am going to ask you to do one silly thing, okay? And I'm going to ask you to put your hands out like that's, that's a position. You know, sometimes our heart it reflects what's going on inside. This is surrender. Like have your way. Would you do that just for a moment? Now, Holy Spirit, you do what you do best. And in the name of Jesus, come. And release your love your healing love, your, your, um, your relational deepening love, your calling love in their lives right now. Come, Holy Spirit, fill, control, take control as they offer their lives, their situations to you. More. More. I bless what you're doing here, Holy Spirit. I bless you. I bless what you're doing.
Don't you love when the presence of the Lord is around? It's like really, just like being in the hot tub. All you have to do is just receive. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you. And continue, Lord, to to uh, open up our understanding of what it means to be fully human the way you were fully human and how we can cooperate with the Holy Spirit every day, Lord, so that we can continue to mature and grow and become all that you intended us to be. I ask this in Jesus' strong and powerful name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.